0: Hi, uh, welcome to this week's, this is Ibrox Flagship Show. Uh, My name's Shug and tonight I'm joined by Patrick. How are you? Yeah, I'm well, thanks. How are you? Good, good. And Craig, how are you?
1: Yes, all good, Shug. Thanks. Looking forward to to this episode.
0: Yeah, so tonight we're going to review the Dundee United game from yesterday and uh, have a wee look ahead and see what we would like over the festive period and what would what would be acceptable. Uh, so I'll start with the uh, team lineup yesterday, Patrick. Uh, what did you think when you seen the team line-up? Uh, I know that a lot of supporters thought at first and the way that the game kicked off we had Tavanier at centre-back uh, before quickly adjusting that. What did you make of it? Um, I mean, I was
2: surprised to have a centre-back. I thought Parson, as he did eventually, would... So go over to the left and we keep Bassi and Goldson because the most important bit to me of continuity in the four is the two centre-backs as opposed to the wide men because you can really play anyone in the system and they'll do fine. Uh, my main concern was I expected Joe Rebo to be dropped just because of the yellow card stuff. I was unsure about when the yellow card happens and when what games are suspended for, but I, obviously the team knows that if he was to get a yellow card now, he'd be out for. four one of the coming games maybe not the Celtic game but not worth the risk but I was concerned when it was both Kamara and Lundstrom playing together in a three especially at home to Dundee that's the sort of setup that you're fine with actually I want if we go away to like Celtic Park or we were to go away to like the Groupama against Leon. but I think playing both of them they're both good footballers but too much of a muchness to play together especially considering they're both sort of Risk averse defensive sort of disruptors as opposed to what we need against the three five two Dundee sort of two blocks, uh, defend and for your life sort of game. And then the front three was fine. Um, I think Haji probably deserves a rest a bit because people are getting a bit frustrated with his poor form. And I just don't think it works with him on the right, but obviously, we didn't place Takala for whatever reason, probably due to his. He's had tons of games and Morelos is in good form, sort of stuff. But I was a bit disappointed to see only Morelos sort of as a goal scorer in the three. I think what's best is to sort of have two goal scorers in that front of three at all times, whether that be Ruth Sakala or Morelos, just two of them combined. But I didn't think that we'd make as hard work of it as we did, considering the lineup, because Dundee United had those five COVID induced changes. I was really actually impressed, and I'd like to see all those young guys in the Dundee United squad. And in the first 11, I thought the guy Mika Mikeson, who's 16, uh, three years younger than me, I thought he was really good until he came off. And I think it's really exciting to see Dundee united and I playing all these young players because it put such a vested interest in the youth academy. I think Jordan Campbell wrote a good article last year on The Athletic about it. And it's something more Scots teams should focus upon and sort of replicate. Even as at Rangers, we should be looking to give young players the chance more often. Um, but they did it in such a high-pressure game, so I think hats off to them. And we came away with three points. But I think the lineup could have been shifted and we could have maybe made it a bit more of a comfortable ride.
0: Well, uh, I won't say how many years younger than me, yes. But it's more than three. Uh, what was your impression of it, Craig?
1: Uh, how did you feel in the stands when the line got red? Uh, yeah, I think I was, I was still fairly confident we had enough there. Um, like Patrick said, I was a bit concerned about having the two sitting midfielders there. I felt Kamara had actually been playing pretty well. Um, with it, with the sort of with he's got two two guys um, that kind of move forward with the ball beside him, so when he had sort of Arfield and Aribo beside him, they just kind of he he sat in that holding role, and I felt that was going well. Actually, I was actually on the radio; it didn't even occur to me that Tavernier would potentially even be right centre half, um, because just because of the way we finished the game against St Johnston. I assumed we'll just set up that same way that we finished it, Patterson left back, um, Bassey and Goldson in, in, in the centre, and then Tav at right back. So when we first when it first set up and it looked like Tav was um playing right centre half, I was I was a bit like um because obviously defend like I say defending isn't Tav' strength, um to be kind. Um but then the guy the Dundee United player turned him inside out two or three times within the first couple of minutes. And thankfully, they changed that instantly after that because it could have had a torrid, a, a torrid time. Um, had had that continued, um, but I, I was I was fairly confident. Um, but as as the game went wore on, even the first half an hour or so, and um, you could tell John Winström was not the right player to be playing, in in that game. It just every every ball was going backwards um and it was just it was so frustrating um and it was, you could you could feel the frustration in the stands. I actually thought this season so far fans have been more patient um in the stands um in previous seasons you the, the frustration would come out early doors. but actually this season even the St Johnston game the other night when we were knocking on the door but not quite finding that breakthrough until they, I think it was the 43rd minute, 42nd minute that Morello scored against St Johnston. There was patience until that point because the fans were enjoying the football. It was nice attacking moves. We were finding different ways to find our way through. Whereas yesterday was just the complete opposite. And I actually think it was the absence of Arebo in that midfield. It actually made a lot more of a difference than I thought it would. Um, and you saw when he came on. The way he just dragged defenders and midfielders all over into areas of the pitch that they don't know really want to be in, and just created space for other players. Um, so, but I think at the start of the at the start of the game, I was fairly confident, especially with the the weaknesses that that, that Dundee United had due to COVID um, side of things. And they did think that I think it was six first team players that they had out, um, and if some of them were especially like Seagrist and Goals, and then uh, Fuchs and the. The centre and midfield have been really um, good performers for them, so I was I was more and more confident. But you you saw uh, that they were really well organised, and they could tell that they'd been drilled, drilled in their shape, and they knew when to press and when to sit, and um, so that that made the game harder as well. But um, I was confident from the lineup perspective that we would that we would have more than enough to to overcome that.
0: Yeah, I think. One thing that was probably in the United's favour with having all the youngsters was they were playing a really high-pricing game and the youngsters, I'm sure, were filled with energy and their training and stuff like that. I'm sure that helped them out. It uh, wasn't too much to talk about in the first half, so I think maybe we just look at the we so saw it was after about five minutes I think we changed to the back four we came, We finished with against St Johnston and then at half time obviously, we took Lindstrom off and we put uh, right on. Uh, what was your impression on that, Patrick? Much needed?
2: Yeah, I think it was more
0: out of necessity than anything
2: else. We weren't looking terrible, but I think we only had like five or six chances. I think the XG was only like 0.7 in our first half. So if we were going to continue that way, we'd have to get a bit of luck, which luckily we did, even though we made that change. But Wright was the one I wanted to get on. I think he looks pretty um, dynamic. He's quick. And it would also allow Hadji to move centrally, which I think is where we should be playing him. Uh, Just to harbor harbor back to that lineup for one second. Since we didn't play a Rebo, I expected us to either play Hadji in centre mid or Bakuna, someone who would drive it on. And that was immediately apparent. And uh, they eventually made that switch at halftime. Munstrom came off, which was more tactical than anything. I thought he was fine. I think Craig makes a good point that most of the stuff was backwards. That's just like the sort of player he is. Can't teach an old horse new tricks, but he does that well. But this isn't the game where we need him to do that well. I think Wright was pretty good when he came on. I don't think he played well enough to sort of stamp the authority to be at like, well, we need to see more of him. He did a few nice moves. He obviously had that fantastic chance before the penalty where he uh, has that one-on-one with Carson and puts it, tries to put it uh, bottom left corner as opposed to chipping it. And at that point, I thought that was our chance. Um, we might not get another one. I thought we were destined to drop points. But I think that was a good change. I think it was obvious, though. I think it was Occam's razor. I think everyone... Who was in the stands, as Craig said, it was getting frustrated, were calling out for something like that. Maybe not exactly right, but given the situation, it was either him or Sakala. And I probably would have gone Sakala ahead of Wright, but Wright hasn't seen too many minutes. He got that 90 against Leon, but besides that, he's looked decent in spells, so I think this was his chance. And he grabbed it, but not with both hands. He's still firmly in that sort of purgatory, in my opinion, of whether he's uh, good enough to sort of play but I would keep him with the club regardless I think there were some shouts saying that he's just like a younger Greg Short which is I think a bit unfair but Greg Short is ripping up in India if anyone saw his hat trick was absolutely fantastic.
1: Uh, I'm just going to jump in and there Shug just to go back to the first half basically and say that was one of the most boring halves of football I've watched in quite a while it was actually um, harping back to sort of some of the Gerard performances at this early this season um, and it was I think one of the main things was obviously Dundee United were so rigid in their shape, um, and we were struggling to we, we were struggling to find space. I guess would be the 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 best way to put it. But I think actually the having the two defensive midfielders really impacted that as well, um, because I think the way that we've started to play under uh, under Van Bronckhorst is under under Gerard we are, um we would immediately go. Goldson to Tav, Tav up the line uh, out wide and then it would, it would come back the way and back across and then up the line. Whereas what we've been doing since Van Bronckhorst has came in, rather than going from Tav into into Aribo or into Kent directly. We're going, um, we're going inside. So the centre halves are actually playing directly into our field. Who's making moves in there? Um, or Hadji, who's making moves in there? And then we're going wide. So we're drawing players in and then allowing space to be created for the for the guys out wide. And yesterday that was not happening. And I think that was a symptom of the the two defensive midfielders being there because then our field was really the only option um, for for us to. Um, for us to look for it on that perspective. He can't be in two places at once um, and he's going to just tire himself out. So I think that was really a stark contrast to the other performances we've had under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst was the lack of movement in that area and therefore the lack of options because loads of people around me in the, in the stand were getting annoyed that we were just going Bassey-Goldson, Bassey-Goldson, Bassey-Goldson for what felt like half the game. It was just the two of them passing to each other. Um, and I think in the second half, when, when Scott Wright came on, it kind of fixed that a little bit and it gave us a wee bit of extra pace. But Dundee United were were pretty solid um, in terms of strength. Um, and I think uh, we need to find a way... I don't know how we find the way, but we need to find a way to stop the ball falling to Kamara at the edge of the box, because he's not he doesn't take a shot, and when he does, it's awful, But and you can tell he doesn't want to take a shot, but I'd say four or five times, and just in this week's games between St. Johnson and the United, the ball has falling to Kamara 20 yards out, he's got plenty of space to take a shot, and he just recycles it out wide, and it's it's, it's clear shooting opportunities and chances that, that, that we've got, um, but the ball's purely from a positioning perspective, just falling to Kamara every single time. It's not his fault. Um, I mean, he could get better better at shooting, but it's not really ever been his strength, has it? It's always a bit of a a a surprise when he has a shot on target and even more of a surprise when he scores. Um, But I think we need to find a way for, maybe an our field or someone like that, to be just hovering around the edge of that box to to pick up those loose ends.
2: Yeah, I'll put in quickly. I think... He's not good at shooting, I think that's been established despite the fact that he managed to get that mother well. this is a, I play a lot of basketball, watch a lot of basketball, and this is a very basketball issue in terms of spacing. Obviously in basketball, the your half is much smaller and more clogged than it is in football, but even if the problem with him not shooting isn't the fact that he gives up a decent opportunity, albeit he wouldn't have scored it, but if he never shoots, the defender will never rush out, and then we won't get more space in the box. So it's a spacing issue. So even if he shoots and it's a terrible shot and it goes laterally and goes out for a throw, the player will still be forced to go and mark him just because he may be the one in 10 chance he might get on target or whatever. So if he actually does shoot, it means he helps his other teammates out and we have more space in the box. So if one of them, one of the defenders comes to sort of close him down, that would maybe leave option wide. He can play it to Tav, will then put it in the box and there'll be one less person in the box. But um, yeah, he doesn't shoot enough and he's not good at it, but I still think we should want him to shoot. But I think Obviously, the best option, as Craig said, would be to place him somewhere that if he does get the ball around the box, it's to the sides and he can cross it in because he is quite decent at that.
0: Yeah, I guess I would, when I was looking at it, it was almost like Lundstrom was playing the role Kamara had been playing and Kamara was playing the role Arfield had been playing and Arfield was expected to play the role Arrego had been playing and I think that's a downgrade in each position. Uh, and they're all good players but I just don't think it clicked or worked right eh, at all and then it was good to see Joe not hanging around making the change moving Hadji into the Arevo role as it's become eh, putting right out in the, on the right right on the right eh, there's something and eh, moving Kabara back to where he has been playing eh, I thought Scott Arfield was still quiet after that but, uh, he has had a lot of games recently from not having played much at all to playing
1: a lot. So I think I where um, Scott Arfield thrives and um, it's not necessarily in games like that where teams are set up in that rigid formation because he needs to move between the lines, but when the lines are five yards apart, just sitting on the edge of the 18-yard box, it's possible for him to move between those lines and drag defenders or catch defenders by surprise. Um, so I think where he thrives in games like that is when he's got rebo beside him because rebo moves players to different areas of the pitch. So you saw when rebo came on eventually yesterday, um, that Aribo just naturally, just occasionally will just pull out to the touchline, but then a defender's got to go with him and that then obviously leaves space for, for a Hadji or, a, or a, an Arfield to move into and they've got a bit of room to work with. Um, but yesterday with two sitting midfielders and Arfield expected to, to kind of do two jobs in effect, um it, it just wasn't working and and it was good that Van Bronckhorst made the change when he did. Um you're never going to see a first half change for something like that because that's just harsh on the players that are out there and you expect us to have enough quality to to break down um Bundy United anyway, um at Ibrooks with with whatever team we put out on the pitch, really from the from our first team squad. Um, but it just wasn't it wasn't happening yesterday. And Morelos seemed a bit isolated as well, which was which was a bit strange from how he's been in the previous um, few games since Van Broncos came in. But I thought the only player that really got past marks in the first game, in the first half, sorry, was Brian Kemp. Um I thought he did really well and I thought actually Patterson did really well and just Giving him the space that he needed to just drive it defender one-on-one. Um, Patterson obviously isn't a natural left back. He, I think he barely used his left foot. I think one cross came in with his left foot and he was just constantly trying to turn back inside, which wasn't which wasn't ideal. But I think Ryan Kent was really the only one that was trying to do something in that first half. Um Yanis Hadji, for all that he he was man of the match for the this from the sponsors, he had an absolute shocker of a game, um, and um, I know a lot, of, a lot of people, a lot of Rangers fans say, actually, he, he never looks like he has that good a game, um, and then there's all, there's always the pushback of, well, his numbers are good in terms of assists, um, and uh, and uh, sort of goals and that side of things, but yesterday was just an out-and-out out shocker, um, I was surprised he stayed on the pitch for 90 minutes, actually, um, to be fair, um, when I first saw Wright um, coming on, I actually thought it would, would have been for Hadji. Because um, I thought, and then I was like, "Oh, maybe Sakao will come on with with thirty minutes to go and replace Hadji." But um, but no, I, th- I was surprised he stayed on for for the ninety minutes, and um, that Ribona at the end was just the icing on the cake. I think for for a for a shocker of a Hadji performance, which to be fair, we I think that's the first time I really remember him having a having a real shocker since he joined us. Yeah,
0: hey, I'll agree with that. Hey. I guess come back to Scott, score, right, Patrick, he made an immediate impact with his pace and things and running and winning fouls. But I guess even throughout the whole game he had the best chance. Do you think that's a lack of starts, a lack of first-team football that he didn't put away because it seemed like I thought he should have just took it the first time when the ball bounced, but he took that extra touch. Uh, do you think that maybe if he had more minutes and things that maybe do a be our job. Yeah, I think
2: obviously if he has some sort of momentum and consistency in the squad, he'll do better. But that's sort of finished that is just natural. It's really close. I think if you have a fantastic goal scorer let's say, for example, for the sake of the argument, if you have like Jermaine Defoe and he came in, he had the opportunity coming off. I think he's played like five minutes this season. You'd back him to score it. But I I think it's not his sort of thing. He's, he's very much a classical winner. Um, I know a lot of, Football's best winners now are sort of like inside forward to score a lot. I and mean, you can see Ronaldo sort of plays from the wing, but he's more of a striker, Salah as well. But um, I, if, if anyone in that front line I didn't want it to fall to, it was him. Uh, he's not a bad finisher per se. It's just not his thing. He very much is that traditional hug, hug the touchline sort of thing. But I also, again, like a broken record, I think this points out the necessity to go out and sign someone in that sort of right forward area. There's been lots of links on Twitter, which would make it seem... That there must be some sort of movement in the club, but then Gio did say that all the links he's seeing on Twitter, he rubbish them and said, uh, We're not looking at those sort of players. But I think that this was a, an example, maybe a hyperbolic example, in which if we had someone of more quality there, um, Wright's fine for the Premiership, uh, but I don't think he is top, top starter material Rangers. It would have been smoother sailing per se.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think that we'll move now to the to The decision uh,
1: was it a penalty? I don't think there was it. I mean, was anyone even questioning it. I know I know there's the normal uh, Rangers have got another penalty and all that sort of stuff on Twitter, but it was I don't even think Dundee United were questioning it at any point. I think, um, I think Tam Court's came out in the game uh, after the game on the radio and said we we asked the question of for um, to our um, sort of analysis team during the game and they said there was a penalty so when the opposition are agreeing it's a penalty then there's no there's definitely no argument from that perspective I think the only disappointing thing um, and I guess it harks back to the quality of refereeing but the referee wasn't actually giving it at any point um, it was actually his uh, his assistant that, that gave it and thankfully one of them can see properly um, I mean it's the most blatant handball there is it's not, there wasn't even a, a slight question of it being by his side or, or I'm not um, increasing um, the size of his profile kind of thing um, yeah, it was just an absolute stone waller um, to be fair I, when Tav stepped up I was nervous I, I didn't have confidence in him I'm not a, I'm not a fan of, of these short run-ups I know Tav Tav's had a lot of success with that in the last few seasons I'm never a fan of short run-ups um, I like how I, I just turn up and uh, run up and smash it, smash it kind of penalty because um, there's more chance of it going in. But he did exactly what was needed of him in a high pressure situation. If we if we missed that, you get last 15 minutes with um the United defending for their lives and us not creating very much at all. It's, I think he misses that. We drop points.
0: Yeah, uh, to be fair, I think the ref was maybe a bit tired after his midweek when he was playing until a certain team scored. Uh, he was maybe a bit tired after that, so uh, maybe let him away with that. Uh, but yeah, I think he was the only one that questioned whether it was a penalty. <laughs> I don't think anybody from Dundee United or any of the other officials questioned it. It's just him. Uh, what about you, Patrick? Did you have confidence in Tav?
2: I'm not the same confidence I'd have in Ruth, who I think has shown himself to be a clinical penalty taker. But yeah, obviously, I mean, we've seen him miss a lot but we have seen him score so many times. There's a reason that those who don't rate him call him a penalty merchant, because he does score them. Um, so he is known. I remember that patch he had, I think it was December 2019, where he missed five penalties, or he like missed three of five. I think it coincided. I think he hit the bar against Motherwell. He missed it in the Europa League game and that. But yeah, I had confidence in him. I think the only people who were, sort of using that penalty as anything on a slate for Rangers or people who are peddling the narrative that, oh, we weren't doing well. And then they give us a penalty just like they did rightfully when we're playing St. Marin and our player got taken down and rightfully when we're playing against Hibbs. So I think it's beating a dead horse. And I mean, you can only expect that the most dominant team in the league who spends the most time in the opposition box or spends the second most time is going to get more penalties. I think it's just a natural byproduct of sustained pressure that eventually, especially a team who carries so many youngsters, albeit it wasn't one of them who let them down, it was Scott McMahon, who must be into his mid-twenties, that you're going to get penalties. Just It's going to happen. So I think if the referee didn't award it, I think
0: we would have heard a lot about it, and rightfully so. Aye, but, 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 but that, but that doesn't affect the conspiracy, Patrick. Stop <sighs> <dope>, speaking common <sighs> so sense. Yeah, I mean, there is
2: no conspiracy. We just don't have great reps. I mean, it's a hard job. I I think that they get a lot of stick, but I think people should realise that even with VAR, it's not going to save everything. I think they need to go full-time and we need to sort of revise our expectations. I mean, you saw today in the Tottenham Liverpool game, with VAR, professional referees in the best league in the world, certainly the richest league in the world, we've seen some shockers of decisions and it just happens everywhere. Um, It's inevitably you're fighting a losing battle it's impossible to be everywhere at once and i think the sooner that we realize that if there's any conspiracy we're probably alongside celtic ones to benefit from it the big team bias which if anything is probably the thing that happens in Scottish footballs. we and celtic get uh, cause others wouldn't which is just natural from being one of the big clubs albeit it would be better if it didn't happen in an equal universe but i think it's peddled far too much and people I think it's, I don't know why, but people always want to find an exclusive for if they don't win and if they're winning for why they won't win in the future.
1: I think as well as the the whole refereeing, we're going to go down a rabbit hole here with the whole refereeing conspiracy thing. But I think what you see is that in the the run of the mill decisions at Ibrox, at Parkhead, the bigger teams actually, more more leniency is given to the visiting team. So you look at stuff like um, time-wasting for example, um, you, there's probably been maybe one goalkeeper, um, booked for time wasting at ibrooks this season, and every single one of them has done it from minute from minute dot, um, they they all um they're all um letting the ball go out or magically there's two there's two balls in the pitch and they go and get the furthest away one and they they trot back and forward from side to side and and when they're taking goal kicks and all that sort of stuff. It happens from the very first minute at Ibrooks um from in the in the games that we see, but very rarely do they get punished. And then yesterday we saw Alan McGregor get booked. And I mean it was to be fair it wasn't the most, the best disguised um attempt at time wasting we have ever seen but um he was booked basically within a couple of minutes of us scoring. Um and it's just it's a bit of a lack of consistency, I guess, from that perspective. Um and I, I think as well, it's just from my from from the games that I've watched in that side of things, but you see Morelos, for example, getting punished for the slightest of contact a lot a lot of time. Um whereas when you see a uh, Kevin Nisbet, for example, who's who's using his body and he's 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 trying to protect the ball and hold it up for his team. Um, he's he's hitting our defenders left, right, and centre, and there's no fouls being given at all. So I think it's I, I get that um perhaps Rangers and Celtic get more penalties, for example. But like Patrick says, it's because we are we've got more touches in the opposition penalty area in a game. There's more there's more chances. We've um our players are quite quick and tricky, um, which I think is where you see people like Ryan Kent um get penalties because he's just he's I mean I've I've left back for an amateur team. I've been I've been there for you just you're a wee bit slower than the winger and you your foot just catches their foot where the ball used to be kind of thing. So um I think it's just a natural thing in the game. But I think Patrick's right as well of people's expectations of what performance level referees should be able to give against what probably the actual sort of average performance is of referees is um there's a big difference in that at the moment.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree. Uh, so we wrap up yesterday's game, uh, I think we got a bit loose at the end, Patrick. Uh there's a couple of instances, the one in particular when Kamara let the ball bounce and and let the ball bounce and Dundee United end up hitting the crossbar. Uh, do you think that would have concerned you? Do you think you'd have had words with them when they went in about regarding keeping standards for the full 90?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I would hope rationally he would see that as, I mean, it's it's going to last on your memory a bit more so because it's the last minute, but I don't think we should sort of make more of a mistake in the 90th minute than we do in the 45th minute. So I would hope like any other mistake, he would uh, certainly highlight it and look in how to remedy it, but I can't blame fans for thinking that's more important because that's a mistake in the 90th minute where that's a game-altering mistake, whereas in the 20th minute, if we do that, we have time to make up for it. But I was... a uh, double tasking, I was cooking while I was watching the game. So for the last four minutes, I turned the sound off, didn't want to watch it, sort of went into the corner and was stirring the stew because I'm not the type to take well to close finishes. So I luckily didn't see Hadji's reborn until the next day when I saw a clip of it on Twitter. And luckily, much like that, I didn't see the header.
1: Um, because Luckily, I missed that. I think at the, I think at the game, I mean, I was never... Obviously, you're frustrated that they let the ball bounce, but from the header, I was never concerned it was going in. It was kind of a big whoopy header that it, McGregor had covered, and I think it's just the fact that it hit the crossbar that people are actually talking about it. Um, but I don't think it actually had any chance of of kind of going in. So, I mean, I was I was um, right in line with where the guy headed it from, and at no point was it ever going in into the net. So I think it's just one of those ones where so you were frustrating that they got the chance. But it was, it was never going in. So um, so even even I wasn't panicking at that point, and I'm quite a pessimist. So so there we go. You definitely had far
0: more confidence than me at that point. Oh, I thought we'd totally show ourselves an effort. I mean, from a game that we put, we did. We get three points from, and I guess we can put it in the bin now, and then look forward to Christmas and New Year. We've got three points. We're sitting seven clear, albeit they've got a game in hand it's, it's looking good, uh, Christmas is coming up uh, looking ahead after Christmas we're home to St Marin, away to Aberdeen and away to them what do you think would be, how would you like to see us come out of that at the end of it
1: Craig after them three games um, I think if we if we leave that run again it's just seven points from nine I'm pretty happy um I think I, I expect us to beat St Mirren um I don't think that's I think everyone will expect us to really beat St Mirren um, Aberdeen's always a tricky one you're never quite sure what kind of team of theirs is going to turn up um I don't think that anywhere near is as good as they they were under Derek McInnes against us but that being said they went two and a half off Ibrox within the first sort of 15-20 minutes or so. So uh, they can't be discounted from that perspective. But I think we've improved a lot from, from that stage. And I think the changes Van Bronckhorst has made in terms of when the fullback go and when the fullbacks sit really help with that defensive solidity. Um so I think I'm expecting two wins from two from the from the first one. And then if we go out of Parkhead uh, without a defeat. I think we're way on, are we? Cool. And what about you, Patrick?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the bare minimum is the two wins against St. Mary and Aberdeen because I, I agree with Craig. Seven points would be what I would hope for. I mean, obviously nine. But the most annoying thing would be is if we sort of like beat St. Mary and draw with Aberdeen and then beat Celtic and it would be obviously good to beat Celtic. But um, you'd hope that the standards are maintained. But I think seven points is smart. I think if we manage to sort of draw with Celtic on their patch will show that they're not the team that some of them want to believe. I mean, they're obviously a much better team than they were last year and they'll offer a different pre- proposition to the one that we've sort of found out over the last two years in which they've really never, besides the first 20 minutes of, funnily enough, the game, this time last year on Hawk Minute. that was the only time they've really probably threatened us and had like material game sort of dominance. But I think if we go out with a draw, I take that. But I do also think, Part of me wants to like play my chance, and I wouldn't take a guaranteed draw because I do think, just given the, who, who they are, how they play, that it could be either really close, so we could absolutely give them a hiding or vice versa. But I would do think, given the current dynamics, we're playing quite well. They look a bit shaky at the back. But every single one of their players is going down with an injury. Um, and they also, I don't think they'll be able to say into one day of the Giant transfer and add anyone and expect them to come in and play in the old firm. I do would take our chances. Of, Rolling the dice roll and hoping for three points. But I think seven is the minimum and maintain our lead going into the New Year's.
1: Yeah, I think, um I mean, I realised that both myself and Patrick have both said, yeah, I draw up Parkhead's final. I mean, I'm absolutely confident that we will go there and we should absolutely um, beat them, especially after um, you see some of the performances they've had defensively recently against... Um, some of the the teams nearer the bottom of the league, and you you think of Morelos, Kent, a uh, front three, Morelos, Kent, Sakala going up against them, you would absolutely be confident. Um, from that perspective, I think um, I think it's, it's, it's just if when you look back at when Van Bronckhorst came in, you look, you looked at the fact that we had Livy away, Hibs away, Hearts away, Aberdeen away, Celtic away. All, before, all prior to, to the new year. See if you went through all of that unbeaten and thrown in just one draw in there, you would absolutely have snapped everyone's hand off for that at the point that Van Bronckhorst course came in. Um, so I, I think there, there needs to be that level of perspective as well that comes into it. Um, but I, I would be confident of us picking up nine points from nine from that, but seven is a bare minimum as long as the draw is at Parkhead.
0: Yeah, although if I drew it Aberdeen and then beat them at Parkhead, that might work out better our favour to take the three off them as well. But uh, yeah. yeah, and they,
1: and they've got they've got some tough games as well coming up. Um, and, and the new, and between now and the end of end of the year. Um, so I think they've they've got a couple of tough away games and then they're they're home to Hibs um who's he can give them a game so um so they've there's, there's every there's ample opportunities for points to be dropped on both sides i think we just need to make sure that by the time we get to um the evening of january the 2nd we're we're at least four points ahead
2: yeah and obviously given the fact that they played the cup final today and weren't able to fulfill a league fixture which obviously they take they take the extra game in the cup but they'll have an ex- one more game than we'll have in this run i think they have four games left when we only have three and given the sort of Fatigue, lethargic nature of their side or what appears to be, um, that might be a bit actually difficult to, de- uh, to manage in a way in which do they sort of look to the eye, old form and be like, oh, it, it's just three points. But I mean, I don't think anyone will pretend it's not more important than the other game. So do they rest their players for that m- with the idea in which some of them might fall like get injured and miss that game at Parkhead? Or do they um, continue with that and run the risk of maybe someone pulling up and not being fully fit or being available for the old firm. So I think they have some things to sort of contend with that. Luckily, we don't at this sort of time. I think since showers come, um, the physio, the dealing with muscle tissue has been really good. I think Ryan Jack and Phil Lander who are naturally injury prone, were the only two things that we've had to deal with really in the last three years.
0: Yeah, yeah we've definitely had managed well. Play as well I think through considering for the last three years we've been playing Thursday, Sundays and midweek games have filled up and we've not had any touchwood, serious injuries other than Jack and Eh uh, I guess the last thing I was going to ask was Stephen Davis. He's just he's sort of fell off the edge of a cliff or something. I've not seen anything of him. Uh, is he just not Joe's type? Yeah, because yeah, I know that Kamara's basically playing where Davis was playing. And then it seems that Lundstrom's ahead of Davis in the pecking order and them, Davis isn't even getting spots on the bench. Yeah,
1: yeah, I was actually, I was surprised. That was one thing I actually forgot until you just mentioned it. I was surprised and in the starting line-up side of things that Lundstrom was playing instead of Davis. Um I thought Davis was more of a natural replacement for for Aribo in there if you're gonna go if you're gonna go for that side of things. Um I don't think Davis has been having the best of seasons. I know that will upset some, some Rangers fans out there who hold him in the highest esteem. No matter how, how well he plays, um, but I think this season he's actually struggled to to, and he's actually been slowing down our game, um, in some occasions, which is the opposite of what we're trying to do, um, especially under Van Bronckhorst. Um, but I don't, I don't actually know. I've not heard anything from the club. I don't I assume he's not injured, um. He he got brought off at half time and I can't remember what game it was, but he got brought off at half time and we've not seen him not seen him since. So um but I imagine he'll he'll make an appearance here and there. But I think maybe and, and it might be blasphemy to say this, but I think maybe age is finally catching up with him um from the start of this season as good as he was last season. I think age is potentially catching up with him, not in his ability, but just in terms of his his, uh, his, his physical um capabilities to move around. To move around the pitch. Um it's kind of I don't think it quite fits with what Van Bronck is looking for from those guys in the centre of the park. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, we're not gonna talk about ages since already decided at the start of the show. We weren't gonna talk about age, but uh, let's just say I'm a wee bit older than Stephen Davis. More <laughs> so than uh, well, but the same as that Patrick is older than Mikason or whatever he was called. Uh, that three year up. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm, I'm, i Alan McGregor, so I'm, I'm all right. I'm still young enough, uh, but yeah, Patrick, what's your thoughts on Stephen Davis?
2: Um, I, I like Craig. I mean, I don't think the club needs to sort of communicate a problem if there's no problem there. But given the fact that it's been a few weeks, I don't think he's out. Obviously, Joe's good books because we did see him in the early, first few games. But I think also just given his age he needs to be sort of thread and cotton wool he's not like alan mcgregor who's seemingly indestructible. i mean that diet of uh, whatever he's drinking anything might help despite what we think but um it'll be interesting what role he does play in the next two games maybe this has been a sort of precaution where we rest him for three or four games and then we expect him to play 270 minutes in seven days and we expect him to play all of st mary and aberdeen and Celtic. so i think that will be important and then Obviously, whatever moves we make in January will also signal something significant because if he is fully out of the pitch, which I would be very surprised, also just given the sort of clout and respect he has at the club, he would be obviously offered um, the reasonable way out. I don't think we'd ever sort of bench him to the end. He'd always play a role until he's physically unable, but that will also signify what, what his intentions are. And I, I genuinely expect him to retire at the end of the season. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if somehow he maintains an international career whilst retired from the club, as opposed to what most people usually do, they retire from international first. But I, I think we'll see a lot on St. Maryam especially. I think that would be a perfect game
0: to get some minutes into his legs. But uh, I would be surprised to see him against Celtic, though. Yeah, well, that brings a nice look to wrap up. Uh, I would certainly like uh, Ali McGregor's, what he's dieting on for Christmas. I think that would be my Christmas wish. Uh, I think that's probably all I should say on that. But uh, just like to say thanks, Patrick. Thanks, Craig. Uh, some good chat over a pretty dull game. But like we said, we're seven points clear. Uh, and we'll wish all you bears a Merry Christmas and have a Happy New Year.